This is The Playbook. Buster and I have been friends for a while. That's right. And uh, he's still not 30. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's interesting how this space has changed. We've both been collectors ourselves, but technology has played a much greater role in what we're doing. But you have one of the top podcasts. You have The Buster Show. You have Hoops Nation. But one of the things that I think is important to remember in this space is that most people here and out there have no idea of the size, scope, and scale of the audience. Yeah, I mean, it's super true. You know, looking back and speaking strictly to collectibles, in 2012, you know, even buying, selling, trading was pretty complex, and the values were significantly lower across the board. You know, a Michael Jordan autograph, just for context, was like a few hundred dollars. Uh, so, you know, those numbers have 10 plus x for even, you know, the top tier items of the day you know, let alone some of the the true grails. And, you know, platforms were very early in, you know, how you would buy, sell, trade. The audiences were much smaller. Uh, Companies were just producing less quantity. But, you know, when social came around and you started to see creators, which is really what drives a lot of things. It's what builds new social platforms. It's what uh, builds new communities. You know, you, you see people talking about it and introducing it and showing these items as a potential asset class. And, showing a 10, 15 year history of, you know, performance in grail type items, uh, along with other collectibles niches, but sports cards in particular, you know, it, it starts to become very real. And then you have the technology investment, which is basically what this national in the last three years have been showing off. And then things start to hit, hit real scale. So it's pretty cool. You know, I'm old, like, you know, and the dis-ease in selling and buying is always the biggest deterrent of a marketplace. So if you look at the internet early on in 1992 to 95, when I started in it, it was, you had a really difficult time buying and selling. There was all these different issues. And you see this today in crypto, for example, it's just difficult with the wallets and NFTs. It's difficult. Yeah, what I see, hacked. Yeah, yeah, here, what's great about collecting today, and you know, I'm looking at Ludix, for example, they're integrating it so you don't have the hassles of the past. And once, you know, credit cards could be used on the internet, look at the exponentiality because of the size, scope, and scale of the audience. When collectibles, and you talked about the grail collectibles, but even common collectibles have it that you can simply buy and sell, upload it onto a marketplace, have it verified on the marketplace, have it delivered. All of these things are going to happen. There's no doubt. We're looking at, you know, 10x, 20x value and also quantity of assets that are available. How long do you think that's going to take when we have what I call ubiquitous trading? Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because companies are now making a push towards blockchain collectibles. And I think that's going to take a long time to catch on for the physical collector world, but I think it eventually will and things will be tied one to one and you know, that, that's eventually going to happen. I'd give that five to 10 years. Uh, but, you know, I, I think just when there's more people in the industry, there's more money flowing into the hobby, there's more 
true collectors and you get more collectors when prices aren't going like all over the place and there's tons of volatility. When there's tons of volatility, granted there's a lot of opportunity, but then you get a lot of investors. When things are somewhat more stable, then you get more collectors and then you get more people holding things for long-term and you get more companies coming into the space investing for that long-term. So I think the end result is quite positive over a five to 10 year time frame, but we'll see how it plays out. And one of the other aspects that will cause growth is something as I ran Lee Steinberg, the sports agency, and I, you know, came in to the business and Lee Steinberg, the legendary sports agent said to me, David, what business are we in? I said, sports agentry. He said, no, we're in the business of the irrationality of middle-aged men. And what I see- <laughs> That's in, what this is too. <laughs> yeah, except for people like you with all of the trading cards, right? Magic and Pokemon and tennis shoes. Sure. You don't have the disposable income that a 55 to a 65 year old has where the kids are already gone to college and you're in your prime earning stage and you want to go backwards in the emotional aspect to nostalgia and remember Tony Gwynn or whoever it is. And there's an yeah. exponentiality of value. You know, what I see for you is that in 25 years, that's when you have this extraordinary amount of kids who have been conditioned to be irrational and provide perceived value. What are some of the things that you think looking forward when you're my age that are going to be worth the most and have that emotional attachment? It's, it's probably the most important question. Uh, and I've told you this before, but yeah, nostalgia is incredibly powerful, but only for the top, you know, 10, 20, 30 items in a given year. So examples of that historically are, you know, the high grade mantles, the high grade Wagners. So what's that going to be in 20 years? You got to think about people who are 20 years old, you reach your financial maturity, 30s to 50s plus, you know, the things that those people growing up. So that's why I bought all the original artwork from SpongeBob. Right. So I bought all the artwork from the first season that created the show. That's why, you know, I'm going after key historical figures, you know, that are, evergreen all time on top of that, like Lincoln and Washington documents in their presidency. That's why I collect that stuff. Can't go wrong there. But in terms of nostalgia, SpongeBob is my my 100% biggest play there. You know, I you, you run the numbers and in, you know, 15, 20 years, things get interesting. One of the things you talk about in your show is building legacy wealth, but you have to have foresight and patience. And we talked about building a brand and I'm kind of the middle-aged mutant turtle of the internet, you know, one of the few guys who actually have run businesses but have built a brand on TikTok and Instagram yeah. and probably still don't know all the nuances of it. Um, how can you stay so uh, patient, number one, at such a young age with the success you've had, but also to have the foresight to say, hey, all these other idiots are buying Jordans on StockX or wherever. I'm going to buy, you know, Lincoln's and I'm going to buy the first season of Simpson. Well, you know, I, I think those Jordan people might do fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think they're probably going to do great. You know, that's another example of an iconic figure. But the nuance comes in. You can do a lot of things that give you those short dopamine hits. Like content is a great example of that. It both gives you that you know, feeling in the short term, but you're also building something long term. But you've got to have those plays where you're solely focused on long term. That, that's why you do a lot of different things and you can do some things in the short term. Like for the agency that I run, you know, that's very short term. We're helping companies now, today, 
and we need to deliver on a monthly basis. Uh, whereas, you know, for uh, something like SpongeBob, you know, it's a 15, 20 year timeline or for my podcast, that's a 20 to 50 year timeline or for my personal brand. It's, you know, I always say it's the only company you can never sell, uh, <laughs> you know, so. But you can sell the community <laughs> for a you, personal you, brand. You can sell the intellectual property, too. I think right. uh, artists have shown that in the last couple of years. But yeah, you, you, you know, you're always going to be you. You can't replace you. Right. So, you know, that's something that it, for everyone is forever. But you got to find those different places where you can play the short game because both are important. Now, one of the other aspects, and I see this, and I'm blessed to have my office at SoFi Stadium, as you know. Yeah, it's insane. It's like the craziest office in the world. But it got more insane yeah. when Taylor Swift decided to do concerts there. And what I started realizing is there's a real momentum and shift to seeing things in person. Mm -hmm. And the more we have digitally, the more we have virtually, uh, it seems there's a greater need to come to shows like the National or VCon or Collision or all these other places that sure. I'm going, there seems to be a huge momentum that people want to touch and feel things and make sure, hey, I'd like to see you in person. And I'll even see people, you have the same type of, of a content play that I do. And I'm just freaked out when people are like, oh my God, it's so great to see you in person. <laughs> right? <laughs> really? Yeah, people don't believe that you're real. <laughs> right, they'll travel, exactly. Yeah. You can't believe something, somebody this old and ugly could be that's that not, That's not That's not the point. <laughs> but how do you see this in-person thing playing out in the collectible space over the next 10 years? Oh, it's everything. You know, I, I don't deal as much in fields like real estate outside of the agency, but, you know, a lot of those sorts of deals are all built on trust. And that's like the grandest scale you can think of other than like company acquisitions. Uh, so when you build trust and community in person and you feel like you, you have real relationships with these people, a lot more deals end up happening, uh, which is good for everybody. So that, that's why I think it's really important for the health of the industry to get people together in person. Also, like, I don't know if you're like this too, but if I go a few days without like seeing people, I'm just not as happy of a person. Right. So I think there's definitely an element of that too. And happy people do better things. So, well, that's my whole mission is to empower people to make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun to be happy. Um, to that end, there's a lot of anxiety, depression. Uh, people are putting a lot of pressure on themselves with a false reality. These expectations that they're getting snapshots of people, even you and I, they may see us in our best light or as, you know, having a life that, you know, I'm always amazed when people are like, oh my gosh, you get mad? <laughs> like, yeah. are you kidding? Like you actually get mad? Yeah. So, uh, sure. But I'm not your age and it seems to be a, its own pandemic. What are some of the things that we can do in this business in order to effectuate people to have a more positive perspective and not feel like they're always comparing themselves to something that's not real? Well, I, I think a lot of that comes back to money, right? So it's how you talk about it in the hobby. I don't so much highlight like the crazy dollar flip thing, like pulling something off on someone else. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I think when, you know, content and media is more focused on 
why things are cool, why things are special, why things have historical value, learning the history and context behind things. Because, you know, one of the things I learned from investing in Lincoln and Washington documents was when I put money into something, doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to learn everything about it. Like there's nothing that's going to stop me from reading books about Lincoln and Washington. So, you know, picking things and cards and collectibles and people that you're interested in learning more about that can then positively affect everything about your life. Like, I think everyone would benefit from knowing everything about Abraham Lincoln. Pretty incredible guy. Did, did one or two things that kind of matter. So same for Washington or same for Michael Jordan or same for, you know, uh, a lot of people. So, you know, picking those spots and, and showing why that's important and how that can actually benefit your whole life, not just your life within the business. I think, I think that matters. Let me ask for an example, because you have done and you are a guy who's more interested than interesting. You're curious and creative. So pick either Washington or Lincoln. What's one of the fun facts or lessons that you learned by doing all that research on what seems to be on the surface, somebody that sure. everybody would know? Yeah, I mean, you know, a great example is that George Washington, you know, served two terms. He could have become the king of the United States and he decided to step down. I think that is a lesson that you can apply to business. You can apply to entrepreneurship. You, you know, after eight years, maybe it's time that you step down as CEO and bring on a new CEO of the team or you, you let some things go because it's better for the long term health of the country or the company. You know, that's one of the biggest things that I think about every day when it comes to George Washington and that, you know. Who would have thought, right? Five years ago, that that's what. Have you been talking to my team? What's up? Have you been talking to my team? Is it time for me to step down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. But uh, has that's it been long. eight years? <laughs> it's been a lot longer than eight years. Uh, but uh, I'm still the king. My I wife is actually the, the king. I love um, it. I love it. All right, last question uh, philanthropy. Sure. What I also find remarkable about your content and the lessons that you teach and even incorporated in your business, like me, everything you do seems to have to have a purpose or a cause attached to it. Uh, how important do you think that is? And two, how important do you think that is to your actual success? Well, I think it depends on the person, what you care about, right? I care about a lot of different things. So it all just depends on what I'm doing, but it's it just makes you feel good. Like it's like uh, the classic saying when you're, when you're doing good things for other people, it's actually quite selfish because you're making right. yourself feel, you know, just as good as those people. Uh, so I think there's some truth to that, you know, but, you know, I, I think it's just a necessity, right? So like if you're, you know, like I'm about to release a book and, you know, for every book, there's a tree getting planted, you know, and we're not even releasing physical copies at the start. So, you know, it's one thing I always think about is like, you know, the amount of trees that are cut down to make books. Once I saw a book about like, climate change. And I just thought it was so hypocritical, <laughs> right. you know, counterintuitive quite Here's 300 pages on uh, sustainability. Yeah. You know, you cut down like 40,000 trees to do it. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think there are a lot of things like that in the world where you, know, you just put a little bit towards it. Maybe it can go a long way if everybody does it. But, you know, I think there's a lot you can do through content and education. You do this very well, you know, just helping people out from no matter where they are and you know, realizing you can't do anything and then also actual strategy on how to do it. Uh, how do it, you know, probably you were just telling me before this, how to properly incentivize people, you know, all, all that stuff is important for everybody to know whether it's a small business or a medium or a big business. Yeah, I think you're really good at it. And the reason I wanted to have you up here as well is we're building a community of people simply that want to help each other 
and know people that can help each other. And that actually creates a community in a marketplace, which helps people make more money, help more people and have fun. And you are definitely a steward in that direction. One of my stewards on the mission to empower over a billion people to be happy, change the collective consciousness, everyone. Let's give a big round of applause for the incredible Buster Share. And David, thank you. All right, thank you.